0: Hi, this is Dan Sullivan and today uh, Mike Koenigs and I on the Capability Amplifier podcast are going to explore a subject that we really haven't touched on and it's, it's the, um, the, the sudden, what I think in the last two years, sudden uh, tremendous both the importance and also the, the, the enormous opportunity of group engagement in a mastermind setting and uh and what i've been giving a lot of thought to and mike has too about uh are there actually rules are there actually kind of formulas to this so we're going we, we we don't have the answers but we have all the questions so we're going to explore the questions today
1: And here's what I'll tell you what you can expect. First of all, Dan really reveals some of the deepest thinking I've witnessed in a long time. There's always great stuff, he's gonna share his four types of thinking, some of his most powerful questions that get people to experience a different version of their future and also what it takes to put together great groups that are super successful. So you can expect all that and more in this episode of Capability Amplifier. Thanks for being here. So here we are, Dan, Uh, we've been talking about something that I'm really interested in, and it is about group engagement and how to create really awesome group masterminds where people get a tremendous amount of value out of it. And I'm going to set this up um, for a couple of things. First of all, I want to talk about specifically at Strategic Coach, you are an absolute master and you really, really figured it out during Zoom. You adapted super quickly uh, or using Zoom during the pandemic. And it's creating super high engaging experiences and events and doing a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some great takeaways, but also... In a traditional group environment, keeping people active, engaged, focused, and providing huge results and transformations. And my selfish reason for setting this up is as you know, um, not long ago, I did one of these trips where I got a bunch of people together and we went fishing in in Mexico. And it was right during the middle of all of the the hoo ha going on, but we still got people together. They're like, I gotta get out of wherever I am. We went fishing. But we created these deep, meaningful connections where folks uh, did exercises. They created relationships, both strong personal relationships, but also there were some business deals. One of them turned out to be an estimated half a billion. Another one were in the millions and some other people started working together. Now, it turns out in a short period of time, I'm doing a wine mastermind in Guadalupe Valley, Mexico. I wish you were going to be there because uh, the wine down there, there's 300 wineries in this region of just two hours south of San Diego. But once again, I'll be doing uh, mastermind style groups intended to create deep connections, business deals, and collaborations. So I'll share a couple of the strategies I found as, as work for us. But I'm curious through your lens, both virtually and in-person, what are some of the Mm. best group engagement exercises and resources you can share?
0: Yeah, I think uh, just two rules uh, that I think are true for either in-person or digital uh, virtual, and that is that the purpose has to be curated by one person.
1: Explain that. What does that mean? Well,
0: first of all, somebody calls the meeting. The person who calls the meeting states clearly what the purpose of the meeting is. Okay. As opposed to, hey, we're going to have a meeting. We're going to get together some really bright people. And you know how these things turn out. You know, there's always some amazing new ideas that come to the surface when you have that. That's not a curated purpose. That's not a curated purpose. Okay. The other thing is that one person curates the membership. And in yep. other words, what we're going to talk about—that this is my—I'm uh, telling you what we're going to talk about. And secondly, who gets to be there? I'm deciding who gets. To be, I'm doing the invitations.
1: Got it. I um, no. And those are my rules. Those okay, are my rules. So, so the bottom and line there, is you the have reason to have is a leader? because
0: I've always kicked myself afterwards every time I didn't do that.
1: And I'm just going to repeat what I hear. The first one is there needs to be one person deciding what the purpose of this is. And the second is curating who's in the room. Yep. Got, got it. Well, I like to say in the harsh terms of a little bit of Minnesota, lay it down. There is just, it just takes one turd in the punch bowl and everyone gets sick. Um, <laughs> so, um, and that's and true. You know, you can think of those meetings, just like you say, the biggest regrets we have is just like, Who the hell let that jackass in the room and uh, no one ever wants to come back because for whatever the reason is. So, okay. So let's say we've stated the purpose. We've got the right people in the room. How do we create an exceptional experience where people feel as though they have experienced a transformation um, during and after. And I know one of the things that, that, um, you talk about is, is people always walking away happy. But, mm-hmm. uh, if you kind of, if you start from the end and then move backwards, I'm curious what your Tarantino version of this story should be.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the, you know, I'm very much into structured, uh, uh, methods. In other words, that the way we talk about things, there's going to be some rules to it. Okay. And the first, uh, uh first thing is that, uh, What we're going to talk about is going to be driven by a question, okay? So it's not going to be a a presentation about uh, some thoughts or uh, that I have. I'm just going to have a question, and uh, the question relates directly to the purpose, and you have been chosen because you've proven in the past to um, take questions and really uh, create some great answers, you know, that everybody can benefit from. Okay. And a certain amount, uh, you know, and, um, you know, you in a previous in a previous podcast, we talked about uh, uh, dinner at Babs and Dan the night before uh, workshop days. And we have 10, 12 people who are going to be in the workshops the next day, next two days. And we come in, we have drinks at six and then you know, around 630 or so, we go to the dinner table and we spend a couple hours at the dinner table. And we have a method. We go around and said, first of all, everybody, everybody just talk about something that really um, was great progress during the last 90 days. Now, this is dinner. This is not a Uh, you know, a mastermind group. This is uh, dinner and everybody does that. And then, uh, you know, and there's a someone who keeps the process going. If someone goes on a little too late, you say, "Okay, let's go on. You know, that that was Stephen. Now we're going to have Mike. Mike, you talk about it and that'll be Babs or it'll be me, you know, at the dinner. But there has to be some rules because rules protect uh, group engagement. Not everything can happen. You know, uh, one person cannot dominate another person can't go off track. You know, in other, other words, Yeah, you know, there's some policing that is done and everything like that. But when I do uh, group engagement in a workshop format at Coach and um, it's either uh, a total of six hours with lunch in there or it's a total of two hours. And and um, those are my two formats and uh but my biggest thing is that people can very quickly think about their thinking so me, to me uh the 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 power of the group engagement is how people are able to think about their thinking in a new way as re- as as a result of the focus question, and then you are able to Uh, in some ways, write down some of your thinking about your thinking, your insights, okay? And uh, this, I don't wanna go off on a long sidetrack here, but there's essentially four four types of thinking that people do in the world. Uh, They they think about things, okay? Yeah, you know, people think about what kind of things hundreds of different kinds of things. They think about cars, they think about houses, they think, you know, they think about that. okay. Um, When you are in conversation with someone who's only capable of thinking about things, it's a short conversation because it really gets boring really, really fast, okay. Then there's people who think about people, okay, okay. And um, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, got three, 3 billion Facebook uh, users because 3 billion people think about people and they, you know, they talk to people and they think about people. Again, not my- I'm pretty sure Mark Zuckerberg thinks people are things though, but keep yeah. on going. Yeah. But uh, not my favorite, you know, at, uh, interesting, but not, uh, not a main course. And then there's people who think about thoughts, but not their thoughts. They think about other people's thoughts. OK, and we would have no universities if we didn't have people who who thought about other people's thoughts. Now, I would say ninety nine percent of all, um, you know, discussion or, or that goes on in the world is about um, either focused on things, focused on people or focused on thoughts or mixing all three up. What never happens is where people actually think about their thinking about what's going on in the discussion. So this is why the curation of purpose and the curation of membership and having rules is so important because it takes a lot of protection for people just to sit there and think, wow, I've never thought about that before. Wow. I'm seeing all sorts of things here. Okay. And then giving them a chance to kind of break from a main group and get in a smaller group and think about their, you know, what I'm seeing here and what everything else, you know, wow, you know, this is really, really interesting. And, you know, one of the things I got to make a really big decision here, I'm immediately, I didn't see it until we had this discussion, but there's a decision I have to make. And I am just wasting a lot of time on something that isn't going to be allow allow us to do that so that's uh, when people talk that way you know they've been thinking about their thinking you know and they said you know i've just made a breakthrough in the last 90 days i didn't even see before we had this discussion and this is really amazing i'm glad we i'm glad i came here and there's an appreciation for what was going on in their head and to me, that's the, and whatever it is, doesn't matter, just so people get in touch with because I find people are at their most creative, they're at their most decisive, and they're at their most useful to other people when they're thinking about their thinking. But it happens very rarely in a world that's cluttered with thinking about things and thinking about people and thinking about thoughts. Yeah. So that's my that's little dissertation on...
1: Well, I'm going to tell you what I heard here because I'm going to summarize it. It all sounded like blah, 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 drinks at six. So I think the big takeaway is just add liquor. No, I'm just kidding, Dan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 10 yeah, times, it's the guaranteed 10 times
0: amplifier. Yeah. One dollar one dollar, of, al- of alcohol gets you a 10, t- uh, 10 times result. Even if it's an unpredictable result, it gets you a That's 10 times right. result. Right. All right.
1: Uh, red wine and a little bit of tequila all right so here's here's some of the things that i got uh one of them is the structured methods which is talking about things with rules and the things meaning the four types of thinking but then uh, questions and also, mainly
0: it's question
1: driven you know. right is driving at, you know what we're talking about is driven by a question and we're going to get into some of the specifics Can I tell that's you my the question, question too it can't not be yet, point. not yet. Okay. I want to do <laughs> I want to do it after I summarize. I'm going to make a point and then I want your questions. So don't okay. forget, because the, I want to kind of package those up. Um, the next one we have is rules protect group engagement. So, and again, you use some examples like not going off track, nobody dominating the four types of thinking, which is things, people, other people's thoughts, or thinking about your thinking and what goes on inside the discussion, which is as freaking nuanced as you can get here. It's another non-obvious Danism. Um, it, it takes your brain, your simplifier brain to really nail that. I'll tell you just on a functional level, <clears throat> I want you to share some questions, but I'm going to give you a couple that I use. And then I want to get your, your, your parade of them because this is, this is the fun part of the show. So one of the things that I open up every one of my meetings with is on a scale one to 10, how can we make this experience an 11 and what do you want to walk away with when it's done? And I really pay close attention. I take notes and I think I told you this in another episode, but one of the best I ever got is Charlie Epstein was at one of our last experiences at the fishing trip. And i got a whole new group coming to this next one. Uh, None of them know each other, Uh, completely different audience, but Everyone was like, I want, I want, I want. And Charlie said, what I would love to do is see if there's something we could all create together collaboratively. And that one thing really rocked me thinking about reframing the question and asking it a different way, Mm -hmm. which is the collaborative uh, mindset right from the start, the onset. And that that was a non-obvious answer, but Mm -hmm. I, I loved that. And then the second one is the theme of this next mastermind I'm doing in, in Guadalupe Valley. So I've got a sommelier. We've, we're staying in the nicest resort in, in the valley. And I've got a, um, and the food there is spectacular. It's just breathtaking. And so um, the theme is highest purpose is mm-hmm. one thing I've been noticing lately amongst a lot of business owners, founders, entrepreneurs is they, hit a brass ring and they realize they feel lonely and um, like they are not um, valued. And part of that's when they have a really successful business and they've worked themselves out of a job, they find that they've got to motivate themselves in different ways. And they get stuck for a little while because they maybe spent 30 years, 30 years getting great at the stuff And now that they're really great at it, it's like, oops, I just worked myself out of a job. Now what? They are asking the now what question. And it often happens around the Mm fifties. So with that, I want to pass, pass the baton to you. And what are some of the best questions that get things rolling?
0: Well, this is going to be based on a podcast or a couple of podcasts that we actually had where I said, Mike, um, One of the things over the last podcast, you were able to identify that there were six moves that you've made from the very beginning back on the farm, uh, and they were all uh, enabled by improvements in technology. So you've had basically six companies. And the question uh, that I'd like to ask you about the six companies is when you start a new company, what's always true? What's always true? That you feel uh, very, very combined that it can't be the company I had it's got to be a new company that's the first question, and the second question is uh, when do you know uh, that uh, an old company has served its purpose, and now you've got to invent a new a new company now, first of all, I'm basing that on a conversation that We both know and we both uh, talked about it. So there's common ground right off of that. But the other thing is only, you know, the answer to those two questions. i have the foggiest idea. What goes through your mind? And so you're the expert. You know, one thing you have to find, always talk about people's experience because instantly you've got a very real expert, the only expert in the world on that person's experience. And uh, but They've never been given the opportunity to show just how expert they are about their own experience, you know, and that I just think that is extraordinarily valuable to people to be able to be uh, given um, the spotlight to talk about their experience and then to actually discover something new about their experience that they didn't realize because no, no one. You couldn't talk about it in this way before. So I'm really big. And, uh, you know, I do this. um, I do this if um, uh, someone is um, a a monologuist, if you have someone who just goes on monologues and they they just got to go. Can I ask you a question about what you said here? You know, you talked about, you know, something I remember it happened about 15 years ago. And I say this was the experience. And now you just had a quarter when you had a real breakthrough. So can I can I ask you a question? The three things that are so radically different that you're feeling right now from the way you were feeling 15 years ago. Never have they never thought about before. No one asked them this. It's entirely new territory, but they're the only expert.
1: And, it, and, it, and even when you're working with a monologuer, you pin them down with something specific and you say, I want three.
0: Yeah, well, monologuers are uh, scripted. They've got, a, they've, got a, yeah. they've got a routine that they've memorized. Uh, and if they wear out one theater in one town, they just find themselves a new town with yeah, a new yeah. theater. Uh-huh. And I won't let them get going on their script.
1: That's that, that I love that. So, um, so here's what I got out of it so far. So, first of all, um, your questions in your case the, you gave these two, you're always talk about someone's experience. Um, you're going to ask them a question that they haven't had a chance to communicate, spotlight the experience, and then help them discover something new. In your case, what you just said is, can you tell me the three things you learned or take away and they can only be their own expert and right? they
0: have to be created on the spot. So there's an act of creativity because yes. they've never given this any thought before, but they're the only ones who have the information. They're the only ones mm-hmm. who have the the experience. And, um, and as the questioner, I feel I'm really doing good for the person by doing this, you know, that, Learning something about valuable about their experience, I think, is, uh, you know, it's just a good thing to do for another person. Yeah. And And they instantly feel that this is a very, very special occasion. Yeah. I've never been allowed to think these thoughts about my experience, except, you know, when I'm with Mike and when we're um, we're in a a situation like that. And, you know. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, it's interesting. And uh, but the thing is that as the questioner, um, you've got a role to play and your role is to be useful to the people in the group. It's not to sell your purpose or anything at all. You're just uh, I want them to get maximum value. And if they learn uniquely new things and good things about their own experience, I got to believe that's a that's a powerful reward that they probably won't get anywhere else.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that I've noticed. You know, I have probably run masterminds for the better share of 30 years now. 20, yeah, 25 for sure. And what this is doing and probably the biggest and most valuable thing that i see is when you give people a sense that they they they've been given a platform and what's great about this is it works even when you break people down into small groups which you're you're great at doing you know it's like when we're doing a strategic coach exercise you open up with a simple concept that's a tool designed to help you think about your thinking great insights. So it's, it's a self um, interview tool. And then we break into groups and discuss it. And then you curate from that and and you pick people and say, what was your biggest takeaway? What was something that you realized? What was an insight that you gathered? And I think this is in, you know, it's an insight machine Mm -hmm. that feels like you've been granted a platform. (laughs) So why don't you talk a little bit about the power well, of, I'll
0: give you an example. Yeah, uh, I'll give you an Richard. example. And it was with an actor that you were on the plane with and you wanted to uh, engage with this actor. And,
1: um, um, you know, Richard, uh, can I say who it is or is this a punchline? Well, it's what up to you, you. It's up
0: to you. Oh, it's, it's fine. It's
1: Richard Dreyfus.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Richard Dreyfus. And you simply
1: said, uh,
0: uh, uh, did you say Mr. Dreyfus or Richard? I don't know what you said. Yes, anyway, I didn't
1: know if I could call him Richard yet, so I said Mr. Dreyfus. Yeah. Mr. Dreyfus, I, I've
0: I've got an idea, uh, a really great idea for money for your foundation. Yep. Well, you know, and then uh, um, you know, let's say that's the plane ride, and now you've got a meeting with them. You say, yeah, and he said, first of all, um, you know, make sure you've done your research on the person's foundation. And you just say, I've noticed there's been like three different developments to your foundation. And I just wondered, and can I tell you what I think the three developments of your foundation? Well, of course, he wants to know what you think. And even if you're wrong, it doesn't matter who else is thinking about the three developments of his foundation, you know. And then you say, So can I ask you a question that where you are right now, your purpose was this big when you started, but it's like this right now, okay? And that may seem that it's not as important, but from a marketing standpoint, it's 10 times more important, okay? And here's what I think you can do now with your foundation that you couldn't do back then. Well, geez, you know, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I mean, what's he going to say? He says, I mean, for, first of all, it's been six months that he ha, since he's had an intelligent conversation with anyone in his world. Okay, you know, so wow, <laughs> you know, and everything. I had a very interesting. Uh, I there's an outlying uh, you know, city that I had when I was a one on one coach, and I was on the train to go to this city, but one of the uh, towns that it passed through is Stratford, Ontario. And Stratford, Ontario is the Shakespeare Festival. So Stratford, England, Stratford. And they have a river that goes through, and it's the Avon River, and they have a river that goes through, that's the Avon River. And uh, so I was sitting there, and a person sits right next to me, it's Maggie Smith. You know, who, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. She's only been acting for 70 years, you know, and everything. And um, I said, hi, you're uh, are you going to Stratford? And she said, yeah. And I just said, can I can I ask you uh, like Stratford, England is like the you know, it's like the the center of this in the world. And now you have, you know, there's Stratford, Connecticut and there's Stratford, Ontario. So if someone like you who, you know, uh, are you know you know are famous for your work at stratford uh, the uk uh what different experience do you get when you come to one of the other theaters like Stratford, Ontario? And I had her going for an hour and a half. I had her going for an hour and a half. You know, it was an hour and a half thing. And she'd answer one question. Then I'd ask her another question about it. And uh, when I got, uh, she she got up to leave and I said, uh, it's really been a pleasure. She said, this was one of the nicest train rides I've ever had in my life, you know, and everything. And, you know, she's busy and she's got fans and everything like that. And the, one of the things was that it was entirely about her. And I knew she hadn't thought about any of these
1: things. And that's um, well, I've, I don't remember who I said. Well, there's, there's two. One of them is um, always talk about the other person's favorite subject in the whole wide world, which is more about them. But um, one of the things that Vivian always said to me, she's a great interviewer. You know, when I first met Vivian, she just asked questions and questions and questions. And she said the best way to be interesting is to be interested. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so simple. But I think from a formulaic point of view, and I've watched you do this over the years, um, there is a, a, a high degree of improvisation to be mm-hmm. a great interviewer. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that you can be guaranteed of is and what you really leverage is how have things changed? Yeah. Okay. The one thing.
0: What have you learned? How have things changed? You know, and uh, and here's the thing that where all of us, you, me and everybody else in the world is that it's easier frequently for other people to have an overview of our experience than it is for us. Okay because they have no emotions attached to the experience we're we're you know uh ours is not just jelly it's peanut butter it's mayonnaise yeah. i mean it's there's a there's a complete mix of things and we don't see things as clearly as other people do from the outside you know they can they can have a very um astute observation about something because they, they first of all they're kind of interested in you so you know, that's a that's a great thing. Someone is an observer, but they're an intelligent observer and they're observing not things to complain about or criticize or, you know, to manipulate or anything. They're just observing, you know, you've had, a, you know, you yeah, know, and I'm, I think I said, you know, um, you know, I've, you know, followed you from, you know, you know, over decades, you know, and this was the 19... Uh, this was 1980s. I was talking about, you know, and she's in her
1: 80s right now. She's, she's 86. 85. I looked her up. Yeah, yep. she's, yep. she's, uh, she's Dame Maggie, Maggie Smith. She's a yep. dame. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what makes someone a dame, but.
0: uh Well, dame is like, sir, it's uh knighthood for oh, women. All right. It's knighthood for I, women.
1: Yeah. It, it sounded at first, like the way I'd interpret it is sort of like, hey, do you check out the gams on that dame over there? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't sound. Like- <laughs> yes. I thought it was maybe yes. a little bit of a. But uh all right. Well I'm gonna have to use that. I'm gonna call my wife Dame. Um yeah. yeah. I just want to know one quick but question. If you don't you... have a
0: queen between you and your wife uh, to make it official, it yeah. might be misinterpreted.
1: All right. Well that's all right. Yeah, that's uh that's smart. Like I call her the queen, but um yeah. I, and I wanna have one other important clarifying question. Did did you imply that you mix jelly, peanut butter and mayonnaise or were you just using those? As no, I'm just
0: saying that our lives are not neatly packed. I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, no. It, it's it, it's funny because, um, you know, the you know, the the people that. Make sense to have in your life are people who help us make sense out of our mm-hmm. own life. You know, yes. I, I mean, I um, mean. You know, and the the other thing about it is, um, uh, I I'm not doing this to be a you know just to be a master questioner or master thing. That is my intent. All my material for new content and coach program comes from these unique experiences. That so I'm deeply interested in how this person, uh, you know, is uh, feeling change and is learning things. And uh, this adds to my knowledge because I have to, you know, I have to create new things, you know, Um, you know, there's some oldie goldies like the moving future that you can throw in every workshop, but you can't you can't have two oldie goldies in a workshop. You got to have new material and uh you know and uh so yeah i'm just deeply interested I'm, i and yeah. i'm only interested in entrepreneurs i'm not interested if a ceo i'd be dead dead to a ceo like if a ceo uh, i wouldn't have the foggiest idea what to talk to that person about you know i have the foggiest idea how life operates in a corporation and what's more i don't really care
1: no i think i think one thing that you and I for sure have in common, which is if it involves getting permission from other people to invest in what you want to invest in, that's a crappy deal all along, you know, eels kill deals and uh, a CEO's life is filled with eels. Um, And, and what you were just talking about, I don't remember who first told me, but the best thing a creative entrepreneur can have is a, a living laboratory filled with paying customers, anxious and excited about the next new thing. And what you've done is you've really trained an audience to expect and behave a certain way within a context, mm-hmm. which makes you've got you know you have to teach people to consume the
0: problem. is yeah, right. Very interesting, because um, as a result of Tucker recommending that we do a joint book, you know, the big book payoffs, because I had the little book, you know, the book breakthrough. And then Tucker had, you know, he had the opus, you know, and he, he felt I felt always felt mine was too short and he felt his was too long. And he says, why don't we put them together? He said, I'll write the book. We'll publish the book and everything else and we'll get them out to all your clients. And I said, well, if we're going to do that, why don't we, I'll build a workshop to. You know, everybody gets the book and then they can come to a workshop and you can actually coach people, uh, you know, how they would get a book started. Well, you know, we're uh, we started in January and we've done um, three uh, workshops and, you know, he's got like 80 people have signed up for a book projects. you know. Uh, You know, this is more than a million dollars in revenues so far this year. But he says very, very interesting. He says he talks to his team, you know, his he's got a vast network of freelancers in different parts of the book process, but he has a central team that, you know, manage and oversee all the all the, um, you know, the progress of the customers uh, who uh, who sign up for his uh, various parts of his program. And he said they came to him and they said, <clears throat> I know it's hard to do right now, but in the future, can we only have strategic coach customers? <laughs> exactly. and he, said, he said they they know what they want. They uh they're very easy to deal with, they're very coachable. Uh they they like having a game plan that they can make progress on as long as they can report back and you know, get insight by the progress. And he said, "You, you, <clears throat> you all your people are <clears throat> they're fit for a company. He said they're fit uh, and everything. And I said, well, you know, uh, I said some of them have 20 years where there's rules. They come in and there's rules, <clears throat> you know, and some of the rules are explicit and some of the rules. Uh, you, you know, you just say, you know, that doesn't work in here. You know, what you're doing doesn't work, you know, and it's not anything that ever got said, but it's just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a form of politeness or it's a form of etiquette. There's a coach etiquette, you know, and, um, you know, you, you don't brag because you're all great. You know, if you're great, you don't have to brag, you know, and, uh, uh and, uh, <clears throat> if you're vague, People think you're a phony. Yes. Yeah. Wow. If, you, if you talk about something, talk precisely about what it is. If you're vague about it, they say something wrong here. There's no reason for an entrepreneur to be vague with other entrepreneurs. Unless you're, you know, that was kind of interesting. I watched over the weekend. <clears throat> I do watch videos but not movies on the internet but i was watching three different ones on elizabeth holmes of theranos yeah yeah one of the things very fascinating one of the things that the reporter who is a real real hero this guy is a real hero uh because everybody wanted this to work every everybody wanted theranos to work i mean that was part of her trick is that she just want, the whole world wanted this to work? And, it was a great offer, a great yeah, offer, yeah, yep. and everything, and uh, uh, and uh, the John Carew, I think his name is, uh, Wall Street Journal investigative writer for for the journal, and the journal really has great investigative journals, yeah. uh, uh, journalists, and he said um, she was never specific. She, he said, you'd look at her things. It was very vague. It was very metaphorical, you know, and, and she talked in the images, but there was never anything specific. And he says, I'm an investigative reporter and bing, 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 bing isn't isn't specific. He said uh, people with real stuff are very, very specific, you know, and everything like that. But it was just interesting. and. uh And, and, you know, she patterned herself on Steve Jobs, you know, she dressed like Steve Jobs, her calendar every week was Steve Jobs calendar, uh, you know, and uh, if he did something only on Wednesdays, she did it on Wednesday, and then she took voice training to drop her voice. So here's this, you know, this, you know, great looking, you know, great looking woman. And she's got this Clint Eastwood, kind like of Clint, Eastwood, Clint Eastwood, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, a man's got to know his limitations, you know, and everything like that, you know, and everything like that. But it was just so fascinating to me. She had she had George Schultz, uh, Henry Kissinger, General Mattis, Rupert Murdoch, the Walmart family. Uh, Walgreen, the CFO from all, she had them all wrapped around. But there wasn't one medical person on her board of directors, not one medical person said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, like you know, anybody with any lab experience, they didn't get near her, you know, anybody, anything anyway, like that. But it just shows that the desire for something to be true is, you know. It's a very powerful force. And she was good. At, you know, she's good. at yep. it, you know?
1: Just sell a little hope. Hope's a, a compelling
0: yeah. offer is much more, uh, you know, a com- uh, Dean Jackson, he says, a compelling officer, a-, a compelling offer is 10 times more powerful than a convincing argument. Um, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've, so what I've have gotten- you got, Mike? Uh, w- w- so what, What was new? What was confirmational? You know, about uh, because obviously you're doing something really right with the, uh, you know, the first ones that you've had. And uh, you had another one where you went to um, Omaha for the, you know, for the for Warren Buffett and everything like that. So you've done other things like, well, ever since I've known you, it seems to me that you're putting together special events masterminds and discussion groups so so where are you with this now now this is a bit you know the next one is probably a step up in terms of you know the setting the you know the atmosphere and the environment so uh what has our conversation added to your thinking
1: that's a fantastic question to help me think about my thinking Mm -hmm. um so i here's what First of all, I'm going to get much more structured at, in this experience. And I do have one more question that I'm going to ask you, um, but I'll answer the question, which is, I do this because I really am fascinated now by collaboration more than ever. If there's one thing that I got out of free zone, it's thinking about, you know, the distinction between 10x. And a hundred or a thousand times is—I really understand why you're so fascinated with that thinking. Okay, mm-hmm. I really uh, had a grok moment, and I thought, why, why limit yourself? Ten X isn't enough, and the only way to create um, much bigger opportunities is by putting a bunch of really smart people in a room who have shared values and mindsets um so the they the, by nature will have uh commonality i've also found that uh quick starts of like 8 through 10 are the perfect kind of people to put in a room like that mm-hmm. and um and so I, I get that kind of thinker and, and they all have to have a history of being belongers and coachable. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, those are some of the real common patterns. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I've found is they are platform minded. Mm-hmm. Now that can either be that they've created or want to create their own platform. They've been media trained, know how to communicate and speak but also they think of their business as a platform. Mm-hmm. And so when you get those mindsets in a room, you have an explosion of not just ideas, but implementation, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. And the abundance that comes out of it, the, and, and these are not people who are like, oh, I need an NDA before I can talk to you about it. They know that an idea, an unimplemented idea has no value. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's what I've learned is I didn't think about collaboration through a lens of rules until fairly recently or mm-hmm. they were I had it around me but I didn't see what the components were mm-hmm. nor was I fussy enough so getting back to what you talked about about the curation
0: mm-hmm. I would
1: um let I'd let a stinker through the gate and um for whatever reason either I didn't choose to say no even though instinctively i just knew and i think the last part of this is i really really trust my gut now if i feel any kind of a physical yuck when i'm around someone it's sort of like it's i've noticed that with food now i don't even need to eat it no my my body won't like it i kind of feel sort of weird thinking about it and i'm like nope not gonna eat that thing same thing about people if i just get just a little bit of skeevy I know they're the wrong fit. It doesn't matter what it appears they can offer or how wealthy or successful they are. That isn't what matters. So that would be as good yeah, of an answer I, as I would say
0: to. that one of the um, kind of sensor warnings that I look for is any indication that they are lacking cash cash confidence. Mm-hmm. In other words, they came to get an idea they can make money on right away and i said no 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 you you already know how to make money you didn't come down here to find out about money making uh you know i mean uh, and uh and <clears throat> you know i'm in that position you know i mean um uh we went through the entire um you know we went through the entire covid thing and um you know and uh we took advantage the canadian government had uh Might as well take the free money. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's our money anyway, better used, you know, you know, if the government gives me my own money back, I'll use it better than what they were planning to do. And anyway, so I have no problem with that at all.
1: I know Uh, you love booze and dancing girls, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. And, Uh you know, it was
0: useful and everything else. But Babs and I have done a really marvelous job of creating our own bank, you know, And, uh, you know, and it was sitting there and we've been building it for 30 years, you know, and, um, you know, and we were and we we were able to tell the team, look, be relaxed. This is handled. There is no danger whatsoever. Everything. We're going to take a real hit this year. But, uh, you know, I mean, we took a, you know, uh, just trying to think here. Yeah, we took like a a third hit from the year before on revenues but we were still reasonably i mean we were still in the black you know we were still in the still still in the black with, with that and uh and uh, you know we're back up to you know we'll be back up to 80% this year and the the emergence of the zoom um uh, global global workshop program is worth 10 times down the road. So I I, I said, I, I told our team, I said, yeah, uh, the money, it, w- it wasn't in 2020 what it was the year before. And it won't be this year, but just consider it a down payment on a much faster 10 times future. And I said, we just invested in a, an entirely new way to think about the future of our business. And it's already proving itself. And I said, that's what it is. And Yeah. Everything's great. And I think that, you know, the people you want at the table who aren't, uh, aren't making phone calls to check up on cash flow.
1: Oh yeah. No, I, I have a saying that uh, it may sound harsh at first, but it's, I, I never, never make your business about working with the broken, the broken that's what charities for. So your job is to work with the highest value, highest end person, because if you work with the broken, broken, you're going to resent your business. You're going to resent your customers and you'll wind up broken, broken too. Yeah. So, and that, that again, just like you got to be careful about letting the right ones in yeah. and knowing what that distinction is, which is, this does not mean don't be charitable and don't be philanthropic. Your, philanthrop- your philanthropy is what you do by being focused on the right ones. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you don't want uh, anyone to get the feeling that someone uh, has a receivable that's more important than what everybody else is getting out of the conference.
1: Yeah, and desperate people expect um, something for nothing. You know, the list goes on and on. Anyone who's ever run a business long enough knows um, that uh, if you look at your your 80-20, 80% 80% of your problems come from 20% of your clients. And the first thing I do when I work with someone is I tell them, give someone, not you, the right to fire all of the lowest 20%. First of all, it's the greatest way to create confidence and trust in the organization. And also you'll learn things that might you might not know about what's yeah. really going on and how people have been accommodating bad, all kinds of bad things. And that 20% that you open up creates a 40 to 60% energetic oh, yeah. and spiritual opening for more of the right fit people. It's the fastest way to probably increase your revenue by 40%, you know, 20% for sure, no brainer, yeah. but it's usually more and it'll reduce the size of your support team.
0: Yeah, you're bet, you're betting your future on people who are short in yours.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I have one, one final um, question before we wrap this one up, which is uh, when you help people realize the fulfillment value outcome transformation, the transformation language, if you were to uh, describe a question you love to ask other than what have you learned or how have things changed that, they experience that results in advance, that transformation, the realization, the aha, but also walk away going, my God, that that was the best strategic coach meeting I think I've been to. I don't know how Dan does it or whatever the big mm-hmm. takeaway is. What's uh, what's something that that just consistently creates that sense of value?
0: Well, I think uh, since this isn't um you know the the event that you're talking about in the events isn't part of a regularly revisited uh you know it's a one of a kind uh, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't uh <clears throat> you know uh when i know i'm going to see them at um at the longest 90 days from now and we'll probably see them a couple times during the next i can simply zero in on, and i say What's the biggest uh, achievable takeaway that can go right into action and be achieved before your next workshop? You know, and then I go around the room, you know, and uh, what they talk about. But in your case, what I would I would have a longer range question and I would say, OK, you know, it's kind of like the um, the DOS question. And you're saying, OK, it's a year from now. OK. And we're talking a year from now and looking back from a year from now, what can you already see is the biggest breakthrough decision you've made as a result of your thinking um, through here?
1: Yeah. So it's another future paced question. It's a a variation of the Dan Sullivan question.
0: Yeah. And the thing is that uh, people that you're inviting have the ability to put themselves in the future. I mean, that's the reason why you curated them and invited them, is that they're people who are able to put themselves into the future. And uh, one, one of the things I've discovered is, uh, um, and I haven't really articulated this in any kind of concept or anything, but it's just, uh, you know, kind of uh, something that seems so clear to me. People will come into a workshop and say, you know, I got to make a decision between this and this and this and this and it's driving me crazy. And I said, well, you know, it's impossible to make a decision in the present. I said, you have to go. Let's go three years. So I said, it's three years from now. And uh, based on where you want to be three years from now, which of the three things that are, um, uh, you know, you're dealing with right now is the one that most has to be solved right away. And which are the uh, which one, three years from now, it wouldn't even matter to you three years from now that this is a problem. And then immediately they go there, there's a number one, one gets eliminated, and the other one said, I can just take the second one and make it part of the first. But they couldn't do that if they were just looking right now, this today, tomorrow, the next week. They, 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 there's just too much going on. But three years out, um, you know, it sorts things out. So, you know, uh, it, there was a great, uh, you know, talk about great thinkers. Lincoln, in before he became president, so this would have been before he was elected president, gave a, 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 his speeches were very short. I mean, his speeches were 10 minutes, 15 minutes. He had very short speeches. But he gave one to a uh, educational institution in New York City, educational, artistic community. It's called the Cooper Union it still exists. And uh, and it was called the Cooper Union address, where in 1860, he predicted the United States in 1960. OK. And he says it's going to be the greatest economy in the world. And he went on. He had five or six uh, predictions. And um, and then he said, but none of this is going to happen in the future, if we don't settle this issue right now.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's brilliant.
0: And that, you know, I mean, and uh, the Southerners, uh, you know, they, they seceded because they know a serious man had just become president of the United States. And they, they knew that there was no negotiating, there was no bargaining. And, you know, he, um, it wasn't so much slavery, non-slavery with him. There can only be one country. You can't have two countries. Yeah, that's... Yeah. um. You know, I have who, to, uh, okay. can I say, uh, we can wrap this up because I've gotten a lot out of this. Yeah, okay. this has been a I, great... I've gotten, uh, I've gotten a lot out of this. And, uh, you know, and um, here, here's the... Um, thing that I think why this is so important for us to talk about this right now is that I think this type of structured conversation, structured mastermind is 100 times more possible today than it was two years ago. And I think people take it more seriously now than they took it two years ago. I think it was part of their lifestyle two years ago. This isn't
1: lifestyle stuff. And why, and why do you think that... It, other than you're talking s- separate from the pandemic and the zoom world we live in? Like what's the no no? I mean,
0: because of that, I think that the world has, uh, uh, um, um, I think the world has divided into, uh, the seriously excited part of the world and the, uh, the maliciously stupid so, no uh oh, the no. the frivolous frivol- frivolously and in- endangered part of the world okay oh uh, yes okay uh, yeah.
1: you know so, no, there's a very yeah. good
0: chance that president z will not be president of china in 90 days because of this ever grand this ever grand scandal. isn't
1: that just this the is 300 shizzle.
0: billion dollars and it's tied to every part of the chinese economy and there's there's no bailout. There's no bailout. You can't bail it out. One one point five Chinese are going to get totally screwed within the next two or three days. And these are not these are not um, peasants. You know, peasants behind the cow. These are people who have bet five. This is their fifth mortgage. Whoops. This is like this is like Chernobyl. This is like this is like Chernobyl. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it, I tell is, I
0: tell people that things can really happen fast in this world.
1: Oh yeah. No, the network effect and set
0: you know what set this up in a very weird way? Was that super super tanker getting stuck in the Suez Canal for six days. It just killed the global supply chains. It it just I mean, it was one thing that multiplied out in six million directions of late this was late. That was late. This this company went under because they couldn't make their payment to do this and everything just because this tanker got. And that's how interconnected and dependent everything is. And right in the middle of it all is this massive Chinese debt. They've got the greatest debt in the history of the world, you know, and, uh,
1: you yeah. know. That that is uh, a topic for another episode mm-hmm. that. Um, I am really, really interested in is um, the notion of, of wealth and how our, what is wealth now and what is leveraged wealth and network-based wealth versus what has historically been wealth, meaning simple mm-hmm. wealth, like a stack mm-hmm. of gold, for example. Yep. And then- um, By the way, that's another, still good. Yeah, yeah, it is. I have to
0: tell you, a stack of gold is (laughs)
1: took. I
0: I think as part of everybody's diversified um, investment, you should have a stack of gold.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. my only problem with, with gold is there was a period of time I bought a bunch of gold and silver. And I realized as I put it in my pockets that if I had a pocket full of gold or silver and there were the tigers came in town or the zombies showed up. Whoever has the slow. most gold is going to be you'd, eaten
0: the first. You'd be slow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, it was a
1: horrible idea. Yeah. That's what I decided. I got to find no, some other going, options.
0: Uh, no, But no. Um,
1: well, this I agree. I think this has been one of the more fascinating uh, yeah. episodes we've done. Well, and, and I think it's
0: the first layer. I think there's more layers to this one. You know, I think uh, I think it's a uh, continual learning. I mean, my notion of what can occur in a workshop um you know a strategic coach workshop this year compared to two years ago is um I, I mean it's much broader. I, I see much more possibilities than I did. You know, and it's just fascinating. I mean um you know you know um there there there's nowhere else I'm trying to get to.
1: Yes. And there's so many more ways to create value in a shorter period of time with, with less effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there, again, there's, this is in some ways has been some of the worst of times for certain people. I know for you and me, it's been some of the best of times. I feel better equipped than ever before. Truth is I've had great years um, and, and found a whole bunch of ways to simplify and have a lot more, thinking time, a lot more time off and the quality of my family is better. Like there's, and I have fewer people around me, you know, the, the ones I didn't want around me showed me exactly who I didn't want to be around. Yep. Um, it made, it made the conversations and the separations that much easier. So, well, um, this was fantastic. And, and what I'll do to, uh, reach out to you listening If there's a topic or an idea you want Dan and I to cover, head over to capabilityamplifier.com, leave a message for us, um, hit the website. There's also a form where you can submit any kinds of concepts, ideas that you'd like to share with us. And I'll put it in front of Dan because uh, we love uh, going deep on on deep conversations. If there's something we missed, let us know. And uh, we'd love to take on some big ideas if you got one out there. Anything else you want to add, Dan?
0: No, I would just say that I think that, um, uh, you know, being entrepreneurs, that uh, we have a a degree of uh, freedom uh, to um, explore things, discuss things um, that I think that people who are tied up in dependent systems really don't you know, that uh, the CEOs of major corporations cannot have the type of discussion that we just had, you know, for the half hour or the kind of event that you're planning in Mexico. They couldn't possibly go on an event like that. And, uh, you, know, that they're, um, you know, that their security, their future and everything uh, is not within their control.
1: So true. All right, well, thanks again for another great episode. See you in the next one, Dan.